I, I do appreciate all of you being out again on a, on a Thursday, man. Just an opportunity. One, to get together and fellowship. I, I think it's good for brothers in Christ to get together. Um, a little bit of time. I know it's good when Baptists get together and eat. So um, all, all you guys that, that did all the cooking and, and the work, man, I greatly appreciate it. Amen. Uh, I appreciate it all the time, and especially during the day and the rain and all that happened today and to put the time in to, to fix it, man. I, I say on behalf, I believe, of all of us, we greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm opportunity to come in, so we'll take just a few minutes and look at a, a little bit more on the subject of prayer. And then we'll pray for a few minutes and we'll go see our family. Let's go ahead and pray before we start. Father, I just want to tell you thank you so much for being so good to us, God. Thank you for loving us the way that you do, God. Lord, I thank you for long-suffering, God, how you just keep on, Lord, forgiving us. Lord, you just keep on, Lord, forbearing, if you will, God. I thank you, Father, for the patience and the kindness. We thank you for grace and mercy. And God, I thank you for the ones that worked so hard to put this together, Father. I pray a special blessing on them. God, I pray for every man and every home represented in this place, God. I pray you bless each of us, Father. I pray you'd help us each. To be better prayer warriors, God, to be better servants. I pray you take, well, just a little message tonight. Just teach us something, God. I pray that you would teach to me and teach through me, God. And Lord, give something that would make each one of us a better servant for you. That's our heart's desire, God, is to please you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so first week we looked, we started out at, at why do we pray? And we spent some time at why do we pray? The second week. Or the second question on that particular one was, if we believe all that, we look at all that want to pray, then the answer was, why don't we pray? Um, if we really believe the thing we talked about. And then down at the camp last week, um, we looked more on the subject of, of what is prayer. And we looked quite a bit about um, what prayer actually is and the purpose and the benefit of it. And I'm, I'm going to revisit that question again on why don't we pray. We're going to look at it a little bit more. Um, but I'm going to look, I guess... And it's pretty pretty brief again. I'm not looking to belabor a point. We just pick a little bit of it up, and, and hopefully we can grow a little bit each week as we look at it. But do we truly believe in the power of prayer? Yeah. So if I had a question tonight, and we open, we've, we've opened each one, that question would simply be, do we truly believe in the power of prayer? I know the automatic answer but before we really answer the question, we probably ought to think about the reality of our lives. If we truly believe in the power of prayer, do we pray about everything before we do it? If we truly believe that prayer is necessity, if we truly believe that prayer is the game changer, then why do we get up and go about our daily affairs and go to work, and why do we do so many things without taking time to pray about those things first? So, I, I don't know, maybe maybe everybody's not in my type of world, but just coming up with mobile homes, all it was, and, and that type A personality, I still find myself often attempting things that I've not yet stopped and prayed about. I hear about things that need to be done before I know it. I'm in the car, or I'm doing what I'm doing, I've got stuff in my hand, I'm, I'm working, and sometimes I've even completed it, and stopped and realized, man, I never even prayed, I just heard about it. And I went right to it. But if we really believed that prayer was necessary, and we really believed that prayer was the, the, the strongest point of our life, then it seems like we would take time to pray about everything before we ever do it. I just, I just wonder 
how many times, I mean, am I, am I the only one in here? Anybody ever attempt to do stuff and, and it's really not working and eventually finally realize it's not working and you finally stop and pray? Yes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So if we, if we truly, if we truly believed in the power of prayer, I, I read a story kind of puts it into perspective. I was reading a book and I had a story in there. And there in the story, a man had come into this town. He bought a building and he wanted to open a tavern. This is the dry county. So he wants to open a tavern. He buys a building. He's putting the stuff up and he's going about all the legalities trying to get it so he can serve liquor there in this dry county. A group of Christians came together against him. They didn't want him their county. They, they wanted the county to remain a dry county. They didn't want a, a tavern there in it. They didn't think it fit. And so a group from a church gathered out on the street in front of that place, and they prayed that God would prevent that place from being in their community. That night, a storm came through, lightning struck the building, and it burned the building to the ground. The man filed a lawsuit against the church for the people that went out and prayed against it. The people of the church went and hired an attorney to defend themselves against it, saying we had nothing to do with it. So the judge, when he started the case, he said, before we get started, one thing that is going to happen, he said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is evident. The tavern owner obviously believes in the power of prayer, and the church obviously doesn't. The church's defense was, all we did was pray in the street. We had nothing to do with what happened. Tavern owner thought enough about their prayer that, that his building burned down that night that he filed a lawsuit against them for praying. I'm just telling you, if, if you look at the reality, there, I can see a lot of a lot of that in me. Um, so at any rate, I, I, and I don't even know if that was a true story. I, you know, it was, it was in there. They had it put down. It, it may or may not have been. But whether it's a true story or not, it puts a lot of things into perspective for me. So if we truly believe in the power of prayer. I told you I'd back up that question from week one. Then why don't we pray? Why don't we pray effectively? Why don't we pray fervently? Why don't we pray often? Um, I, mean, I know so far as in group prayer, some, some of it men, some men are intimidated by corporate prayer, intimidated by group prayer. They don't really like praying in front of others, and, and it's okay. We've been in prayer meetings before. There's a man praying, this one prays, it gets to this one, he touches that one, and it goes on by. And a lot of people just don't like to, to pray out loud, and it seems to be, I don't know, kind of like a scary experience for some. But in all honesty, it's really nothing more than, than a group meeting. It's a conversation where everybody's talking to God. You just get a time to talk. A group prayer, a circle prayer, a group of men praying is really nothing more than just an open conversation. It's just making sure that everybody gets a, an opportunity to talk to the Father. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said in verse 19 and 20, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I don't have any great answers for you right here because I didn't get anything that I thought was just some great earth-shattering thing. But I was looking at that because God is everywhere, we agree? We can't go anywhere that God isn't. We can't go anywhere that God hasn't already been. We can't go anywhere that God's not with us. But, but Jesus makes this special promise that when we pray together, two or three are gathered in my name, 
There am I in the midst of them. So he says that when we gather, see, does anybody in here believe that God hears you every time you pray? Does anybody in here believe that when you're by yourself in your closet or driving in your car anyways, and you're all alone and you pray, does anybody believe that God hears every prayer that you pray? But yet he says where two or three gather. So I'm, we know that he's always there. He tells us in the book of Hebrews, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we know that he's always with us in every situation, whether we see, whether we feel his presence, any of that. So for Jesus to make that statement, there must be something special about a group praying together. We, we see a lot in it. You look at the life of Jesus. And again, I'm not going to get into a sermon, but one of the things I was trying to look, because Jesus so often went himself into an alone place to pray. And to be honest, one of the things I wanted, and I'll be honest, I, I pray the Lord give me a little bit of something. I'll bring it back to you, whatever I learned. I just didn't feel like I got today this big deal. Because what I wanted to know was, was, what is the difference, Lord? Why did you make this statement to us? Why did you tell us we ought to gather? Why did you tell us where two or three are gathered? But yet we see in the life of Christ that you often want yourself alone to pray. Well, the truth is both of them are necessary. You, you've got to have your devotion time. You've got to have your alone time. You've got to have your personal time. You've got to have your one-on-one -on -one time. That's a very important time. The Lord showed us that it was very, very important that he spent time with the Father. As a matter of fact, I, I won't even get to that either. But you know, before and after every great event, you find Jesus going himself into an alone place to pray. But he tells us that we ought to pray together. But what an incredible opportunity it is to pray together in a circle to be able to bear one another's burdens. To be able to pray for one another. I even, one of the things that come in on my phone today, I read it for a little bit and it talked about some things and corporate things doing together and where two are together. And, you know, if one, sometimes, sometimes you don't feel so good. Anybody ever just, you kind of don't feel like praying? Yep. Some, sometimes you, you feel like you, you're back against a wall and just for certain reasons, but sometimes when one's down, the other one praying can pick them up. Um, sometimes when the one can't even really pray for what it is that they need to pray for, the other one can pray for them on their behalf. So there are benefits to corporate prayers. I was just looking, trying to, to study it. But, but praying with other men can be one of the most powerful experiences you can ever be a part of. But it can also be one of the coldest experiences you can ever be a part of. It really boils down to us. Probably every one of us in here has been to both kinds of prayer meetings. You've been to the ones that you ain't never going to forget. God showed up and Man, we stood down there and cried, and it was like the Holy Spirit was on everybody there, and people crying, didn't even know why you were crying, just, just the presence of the Lord real. We, we've been to others that you just didn't ever really feel like the Lord moved. Um, I feel like 100% that boils down to us. I think that boils down to our preparation. I, I think many times we may not come expecting something we talked about a little bit before but sometimes it's just that check off on the list you know we got a men's prayer meeting i got to be there that night and you come get it we divide up into the groups of three or four and you go pray and you check it off the list in those i don't know that we get that same kind of presence but one of the most important things when praying in a group is to remember that you're not talking to the group we, we sat here eating you sat across the table from each other you sat across the table from each other you sat across the table you sat across the table you sat and you had conversations with whoever was across the table from you. Now, you two weren't sitting here talking to each other, you, but you really were talking for them to hear you pretended like y'all were talking to each other, but you really, no, you weren't. You were talking right here. Well, it's kind of the same with corporate prayer. It's really not about this circle of men. 
It, it's still about you and the Father, but what it does do, it puts a, a different circle of men. Now, when this group was sitting here talking, they weren't over here listening, trying to see what was going on. They had their own conversation going. To be honest, corporate prayer can work a lot like that. You can choose to listen to the other person pray, and a lot of times that's a blessing. A lot of times I just like to listen to the other people pray. You hear what they pray about, you hear their heart, and, and, and there's just a blessing in that. But it's okay to be praying within yourself. You don't have to be in that. You, you can certainly pray here when it comes around and you have more people. But that, that's all a corporate prayer is. But what you're doing is you're getting together in that group and you're making sure that the Holy Spirit of God is invited into that group. Amen? So, so I, I do believe that, that group prayer is important. I, I think coming together in the church, I think being a part of the, the Monday prayer meetings, I think as many as can come on the Sunday morning, the Tuesday mornings, and be a part of the prayer meeting, I, I believe that prayer is important. I believe if we're ever going to see anything grow in the church, change in the church, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, it's just my own thought, and I hadn't even said it out loud. Somebody shut the door where the devil can't hear it because I don't want to stir nothing up. I don't say stuff out loud. He don't know what I'm thinking. We, we did two weeks uh, of the latest Bible study, which they've been having in two weeks of this. We've had a minimum of 40 men at the first two, and I'm not sure we're pretty close to that number now without counting. We're pretty close to it. But Sunday morning was a big crowd in the church. We had seven or eight visitors' cards Sunday morning. Now, probably the devil over here telling me it's because y'all had so many baptisms, and it was just people came to the baptism. But I looked at the card, and I talked to most of the people. A lot of them weren't there for anybody else. They, they weren't family members. Anytime you do baptisms, I get family come. had a baby dedication. I, I wrestled it myself. But but does that have anything to do with it? Or is it just the fact that a group of men have gotten together and spent two weeks praying, accepted a 30-day challenge. You've got prayer partners that you're praying with on a daily basis. And now all of a sudden you see prayer starting to answer. I, I can tell you what I saw. That's, that's one of my written down requests. And, and I asked you last week, and I probably should have this week. Matter of fact, it's, it's not really a bad time. We can do it right now. I didn't think about it up front. Has anybody had one of the things that you wrote down? I said, we'll do a 30-day prayer challenge. So write down specifically things that you want to see. Anybody have a testimony of things you've seen? I don't like to speak. Sorry, I was just raising my hand. Jason and I have been praying, and my daughter, I only have one daughter. She was raised in the church. She knows what to do, and her and her husband, they just can't seem, they go to Sunday school, but they can't seem to make it to church. And Jason and I, I told him, I said, I need them in church. She knows she's supposed to be there. She knows the Bible. She knows everything. Praise God, this past Sunday, she was in church at Callaway Baptist. I thank God for that, because she hasn't been to church, I know, and I can't say this for a fact, in over a year. Now, she says she goes to Sunday school. Whether she's lying to me or not, I don't know. But she said she was in church Sunday, and I praise God for that because Jason and I have been praying. Yeah, well, when you pray, you send the Holy Spirit home with them to be where you can't and say what you can't and persuade what you can. But those are exactly the things I'm talking about. But one of the, one of the things that, that I want to see is, is this body grow. I want to see the numbers in this church grow now. Understand that's the only reason I want to see that grow is because we need more workers and we need more money. 
That's just a straight up truth. We need more people in He's Alive. We need more people in Judgment Journey. We need more people helping out doing things that we do. And the Bible says, uh, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. He'd send forth laborers. So that's my prayer. Send forth laborers. Well, what is laborers? It's bodies and seats. It's, it's more people here. Um, I pray specifically for the finances of this church. I want to see it change. Um, we, we had a very lengthy discussion in the staff meeting Tuesday. Dale said, I ought to stand up and tell the church. If we had to pay every bill we have right now, we couldn't. That's just the truth. He said, I don't, I don't think most people realize where we are. And I don't think they do, but I don't think that changes anybody. I'll be honest, I, I don't. I don't think stand up. I'm telling you that as a group of men because I'm trusting you to pray. Uh, I'm not worried about talking about it. I don't think it really does any good to tell the church out on Sunday morning. Shows them where we are. I don't think it makes anybody tithe any different. I don't think it makes anybody act any different. I don't think it makes anybody feel any different. The only one that's going to change it are the ones that are praying and talking to the Lord. God's the only one can change stuff. And and so what he can do is change the hearts of the ones that's there to, to get them in line with, with his word. Um, but by the same token, if we have laborers, some of those laborers will be tithers. So so that increases all of it. Um, but, but those have been prayers. And so... This is this is the shame side to it. I saw it Sunday, and I'm having to try to convince myself that it wasn't because of the baptism. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. You, ever, you ever feel like God answered prayer, but but then you're sitting here wondering, well, is that is it just because you had this? So I don't know. I do know within myself, I, I, I feel like I saw God do something. I, I know one of the families in particular was with a family, somebody's getting baptized, but but the reality is. I think it was eight visitors' cards that we had from Sunday morning, and I don't know everybody fill out. That's a lot of visitors' cards for one Sunday morning. I, I can tell you that. That's um, you know, two, two or three is kind of a, a norm. That's pretty good. But um, so at any rate, I didn't mean to get all off in that. I was gonna try to stay right here so so I could stay short, and you know, we wouldn't be in here but a minute. But so much for that, right? <clears throat> So, so back back to, let me just get back to why don't we pray? I think I, I could say probably one of the biggest reasons is we just simply don't take time to pray. We're, we're just busy. Everything's going on. And, and to be honest, prayer, prayer takes time. The reality is we make time for what we want to make time for. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to pray... We're going to have to make time to pray. The problem is we make time for the things we want to make time for, but we don't make time to sit down and pray. How many of you know somebody that you can think of right off in your mind that they simply have too much time on their hands? How, how, how about yourself? You just got too much time, right? You got so much time on your hands, you're always bored to death, you never have anything to do, right? You're always just bored to death. I mean... I mean, what are you going to do with all this time, right? Yeah, probably not going to get any hands out of that one. So the reality is in our daily lives with the daily schedules that, that we face, you're never going to find time to pray. You're going to have to make time to pray. It's not going to show up. You're not going to find it. This isn't the lost coin. You're not going to sweep around under and look for that one lost coin. It's in that one lost sheep. The time is there. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have the same amount of time. We choose what to do with it, and we fill that time up with all kinds of stuff, but you're not going to find any extra time. 
You're not going to find the 25th hour tomorrow. You're not going to find the 27th hour on Friday. You're going to get the same amount of them. So the reality is we don't pray because we simply don't take time to do it. Martin Luther King was asked a question. One of the books I looked, somebody had asked him about his daily work schedule and asked him, what do you, what do you have to do tomorrow? He said, boy, tomorrow, tomorrow's a busy day. He said, tomorrow I have work, 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 and more work. As a matter of fact, I have so many things scheduled for tomorrow. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to have to pray for three hours before I start. You, you understand the principle? I got a busy day. That means I got all this work. That means I have less time than normal. That means I'm going to have to get up earlier. But that would, that would kind of imply to me that he probably prayed one or two hours on a regular day. And he says, in order to, to, to accomplish all that I need to do on this day, I'm going to have to pray for three hours. So the reality is, we just have to make time. The, the fact is, well, let me ask you a question before I do this. Why do you, why do you think prayer, and, and maybe, maybe prayer is not hard to you. Um, so just pacify me some of this. Why do you think prayer is so hard? Other than just making time, having to take the time to stand and do it, what, what is it that makes prayer so? Well, let, let me ask you this, and we're all on the same page. Anybody, we've already talked about this one time, you, you're, you were praying for the first 30 seconds anyway. And five minutes later, you realized wherever you are, your mind has wandered, you, you're fixing the tractor that broke, you, you're worried about tomorrow's schedule, you're thinking about how you could have handled something differently today, or you could have fixed something you didn't think about at the time. Anybody want to talk about anybody's mind wandering when you pray? You, you start out good. You, you start out praying, you, and, and you're thanking the Lord, and then in a little bit you find yourself like, what am I, what am I doing? I sat down here to pray, but, but it's really just a mind wandering. The, so the fact is prayer is a battlefield. Prayer is the most powerful, most effective weapon that we have against the devil in this world. Prayer is by far our greatest resource. Now, we've talked about it before um, in, in that when I asked the question about being distracted, but distraction is a part of prayer because the devil makes sure he puts it in there. See, the enemy is going to come after you when you pray. The devil is going to bring up any thought, anything that he can put in your mind, anything that puts there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be evil. It doesn't have to be a bad thought. The devil can, can just remind you of a good thought. The devil can whisper in your ear. And anything that he puts that gets in your mind that, that inhibits the prayer, that slows down the prayer, that's what the devil wants to do. Because see, whether you believe in the power of prayer or not, the devil full well knows the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. The devil full well knows that that is your greatest source. That is your greatest tool. That, that God is our, our greatest ally. He is the one. And what the devil wants to do is make sure you don't pray. See, the, the devil knows that prayer can heal the sick. The devil knows that, that prayer can, can get your, your children into church. That's the last thing the devil wants to see. The, the devil knows that 
prayer can bring the prodigals home. The devil knows uh, that that his prayer can can work in marriages that are struggling. And the devil knows that it is prayer that that is the game changer. It's prayer that that can grow this church. It's prayer that can bless. He's alive that's coming up. It's prayer that can take us where we can't even have a men's group in here that it grows. The devil knows that our greatest source is prayer. It's time with the Father. So naturally, the devil's going to come in and do everything he can to inhibit prayer. Amen? So we say we believe in the power of prayer. And we say that we believe that God has the ability to change things. And and we say that we believe that God answers prayers. But then prayer is usually the last alternative in so many of the things that we do. Most of us don't take time to stop and earnestly pray until we have exhausted all other means. We get in financial trouble. We'll spend a year and a half in financial trouble. We'll start selling stuff. We'll start pawning stuff. We'll start doing everything we can, putting it out. But usually it's when everything is gone and there's nothing else left that we find ourselves in earnest prayer. But we say we believe in the power of prayer. See, I I believe true belief is demonstrated by what we exercise. And I believe if we truly believed it the way that we say that we believe it, then we would always put prayer first and foremost. Well, have you ever noticed that prayer comes easier when your back's against the wall? When, when you've used up everything else and, and you've tried all the other stuff and you bite, you really don't have anywhere else to go. Prayer is all you've got left. Then, does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is just a study that I'm doing for me and I pray the Lord gives something to somebody else from it. But prayer seems like it comes easier when your back's against the wall and you really just don't have anywhere else to go. But see, to me, I think that's because what you're praying about becomes so important at this point. You know there's not another way. You've already tried them all. You know there's no other way out. So the thing that you're praying about, you become so focused at this point that the devil can't come in and put that distraction here anymore. That little thing that you were worried about doesn't mean so much to you right now. You've become so involved in prayer. You've become so intent in knowing that I've got to get in touch with God about this. I need God's help. I have nowhere else to go. So you don't have to worry about the distractions. You don't let the devil in. He doesn't get to get in. And your mind stays in tune. But that's because you're backed up to the wall. There is nothing else. There's nowhere else to go. You know, as long as there's a, long as there's another avenue you ain't tried, we're always out to try it, right? You're always trying to think of, of what can I do next. I, and and I, again, everything I do, I, I share is from personal experiences. I'm not even going to go back just the length of time, but I learned an awful lot after 2006. Um, you know, a lot of times God, God can't use you until he's broke you. Well... Um, 2006 was a pretty big deal in America, especially the business owners and, and people that had an awful lot of debt and home builders. And I think everybody knows where to land it, but 2007, 2008, they didn't really get it better. By 2009, most people had lost everything they had, especially in terms of business owners. It's personal experience. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking from books. I'm just telling you, I learned that it's easier to pray when your back's against the wall. 
-hmm. and, and, and that sometime, as long as in the back of your mind, there's still another avenue and you still think you have a way out. We were, I'll just give you this, just so you can understand, I'm talking about the power of seeing what God did looking back. Um, with, with business and all that's there and equipment, I mean, we were over a million dollars in debt when all that started. We just had bought a, a big piece and um, all of a sudden the bottom falls out of the economy. In six months, I worked five days. One of those five days, I blew a truck in and cost me $22,000 to get fixed. I spent more than one day I worked than all five days that we worked. I had to sell some trees off a piece of property to get an engine back in the truck just in case. There is absolutely no way to survive what we survived and not lose anything. There is absolutely no way, but when I tell you that, that I fully believe in the power of prayer, but sometimes God has got to take everything else from you. God has got to take everything else that you think you can do, everything else that you think you can fix, everything else that you think matters. Sometimes God's got to take all that because for six months, see, I wasn't broke yet. I kept thinking I could fix it. I kept thinking I could do it. I kept thinking hand out some cars, do some advertisement. Hey, brother. But what I learned is when everything else was gone, when when... <clears throat> As long as there was money in the savings account, I really wasn't that worried about it, right? As long as I still had stocks and bonds out there, I really wasn't really worried about it, right? As long as I had other means still on. But when you've depleted savings accounts and you've sold all the stocks and bonds and you've sold everything else around and you're not going to sell property or stuff when the economy is down like that because nobody else got any money either. The only people out there looking to buy stuff is the sharks that's going to buy it for pennies on the dollar and sell it for a lot later because they don't want to have the money to do it. So there's really no way out of it. But why do we wait? Why, why do we wait till our back's against the wall? I would say, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just kind of crazy, but we think we have to start with. We really, it only all belongs to God anyway. But we really don't have, it's His. It's his house, it's his equipment, it's his cars, it's his money in the bank. We can talk to him, we can talk to him about it, we can go to him and, and seek it and ask him for the things we need. But we get this, it's almost like a facade that we have all this stuff, people, wives, children, but they all belong to him anyway. So I think that, that might be part of what happens. Well... I even, and I don't have time for this, maybe another time, but I even believe a lot of times it's the same with that as with anything else. I think we go through some stuff so that others can see. Um, yeah. I know for a fact that there was a banker in South Georgia got changed by what he saw. But it took us going through some stuff I really didn't want to go through for him to see it. But several months later, um, he reached out to me it made a difference and this was a man that went to church so sometimes sometimes it's God doing stuff in us and teaching us but sometimes there's benefit to those around but but the reality is just prayer shouldn't be our last alternative prayer ought to be our first step yeah. prayer ought to be the first thing in the morning when we talk about making time I know sleep is good for those of you to get to sleep sometimes we just 
it's worth getting up 15 minutes early for. 15 minutes early, 15 minutes alone with God can change the next 24 hours of your day. 15 minutes in preparation for the day in the morning can change the entire day. But too many times we make it as just a last resort. But I think sometimes we have to let the Holy Spirit come in. And I, I have to say, I've got to tell this because I was raised in a church. I didn't live the life I should have. But when I went to Pennsylvania, I was in this church and they had this preacher. He was from Florida. And this guy said he could heal people's hearing. Now, I have bad, I have bad ears, you know. My wife nudged me, she goes, why don't you carry yourself on up there and just pray for God to hear you so you can hear. And at this time, I was learning about the Holy Spirit and whatnot. And as I was walking up there, at that time, my shoulder was killing me. And I said, God, I said, I'm not worried about my hearing. I can hear my wife. I said, you want to do something for me? Make my shoulder feel better today. Now, this pastor, it was probably about as long as our church. He was at the other end of the sanctuary. I no more got up to the podium, got down on my knees, and he was praying over a man. All of a sudden, and this is where men were hard-headed. We don't want to listen. We're scared to cry. But all of a sudden, he stood up, and he looked around, and he said, I don't know who you are. He goes, there's a man that has a shoulder problem in here today. I'm going to heal you. I started bawling like a baby, and I said, okay, God, I see you're in control. I will let you take, take hold of that. When that man come up to me, and I never, I never said nothing to him. Then my daughter come up to me, but when this man touched me, I don't know what presence I felt, but I'll grant you, this shoulder's been operated on twice, and this was prior to that. This shoulder hasn't bothered me since, and I give God the praise and glory, but he humbled me to let me know that he is in control, and us as men, we're all hard-headed, and it took my wife 37 years to finally beat it into me and say, honey, I know you're dedicated to your job, but she says, honey, you got to quit thinking about it because you can be replaced tomorrow. You're just a person. She goes, you got to let God take control. And that's what it really, in my opinion, it boils down to is we're all hard-headed. We want to do it our way. But I've learned, I give it to God every day. I have to. I, that's, I just can't live no other way. And it's just, and I could tell you more and more, and it's just, but I, we don't have time for that. But God hears your prayers. I'll grant you that. So priorities, if prayer is a priority, well, I can tell you an easy way to identify your priorities. What are the things you think about most? Or what are the things you do the most of? Priorities are the things that we find important. Priorities are the things that we put our time into. Priorities are the things that you will put other things off to do them. Does that make sense? I need to say, everybody always said, a priority in your life is the thing that you will put other things off to do that. Is that what prayer is in our life? Is prayer the thing that we'll put other things off 
to make sure we pray? Or do we put the prayer off because we think we can accomplish the other things? I don't know. I know if you want if you want to, if you want prayer to be a priority in your life, you have to make it a priority. It's not something that just comes. Like I said before, it's not something you're not going to find time. It's never going to be a priority until you make it a priority. It's not going to just show up one day and be the most important thing there. Um, I had, in that first week, I had each of you, you got together, so there's two of you for a prayer partner. A, a prayer partner is just accountability. It's just good sometimes to have that second person that's an accountability of somebody that you know they're going to call you or text you or you got to call them and text them that the two of you are going to make sure that each of you prays. Sometimes it's just good to have that other person. It's a twofold. Number one, that they are going to make sure that you communicate with each other to make sure that each of you pray. But the other is, like I told you at night, you're the only one that has their prayer request. If you don't pray for it, nobody else is. So, so the communication between the two is the reminder to pray, but it's also a reminder that if I don't do anything else, I've got to pray for theirs. I'm, I'm bound to pray for theirs. But can I tell you some of the greatest rewards you'll ever get are the ones that God will give you for praying on behalf of others. It is an incredible honor that God allows us not just to walk into the throne room, but he allows us to walk into the throne room to make intercession on behalf of somebody else. Granted, Christ does it for us to the Father, but we are allowed the opportunity to go in and pray for somebody else. That, that is a great honor that God gives us that if you'll come pray for them, I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to go take care of this, and I want to bless you for praying for them. God's just a good God. God's just a good God. It's easier to develop a habit if you have somebody else helping you. That's just real, and that's kind of what a prayer partner is. So if you weren't here the first week, you don't you don't have one. Um, I, I would encourage you just to talk around the room or, or add to it. It doesn't matter if you wind up with three or four in a prayer group, but a prayer partner is a big deal. I've had a prayer partner for Lord, probably close to 20 years now. Um, it's okay for your wife to be your prayer partner too. It's okay for you and your wife to pray together either every morning or every night or both. The wife's a good prayer partner, and a marriage is a good prayer prayer need, good good necessity. Um, one 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 more. I mentioned it last week, and it's just a reminder um, tonight, and, and then we'll we'll close. But if you're trying to do something different. You didn't just come out here on a stormy Thursday because these guys are grilling up some chicken. I'm thankful for the chicken. But you came for the prayer meeting. You came to get the group of men. You came to talk about prayer. You came to be around like-minded men. You, you, you came to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You came to grow in your walk of faith. You came to grow in the word. Don't think the devil hadn't noticed that. Don't think the devil don't know. And the one thing he does not want you to do is grow. And the one thing he will do is try to stop you. So the more you try to grow, the more he's going to try to stop you. So, so don't, don't plug in a little bit and do it half-heartedly. You're going to step in and pray. 
you better step in and pray. Because the devil understands the power of your prayer way more than you do. And the last thing he wants is you on a good one-on-one personal level with God. Having, a, having that first name relationship basis where you can talk to the Father. The devil will do everything he can to stop you from growing. There's somebody that doesn't go to this church anymore and somebody talked to him and they said, well, he, he talks about storms, he talks about problems, he talks about troubles. Well, that's that's because I want you to know the truth. Um, the, the, you know, to handle trouble, you be prepared for it so that you don't get blindsided. And if you want to sit on a pew and do nothing for the glory of God and just coast around in ice cold waters for however many days God leaves you here, that's fine. And the devil probably won't bother you much. But when you say, God, I want to serve you. I just want to be pleasing to you. I, I want to be a better steward uh, uh, of what you've given me. I want to be a better servant. I, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better friend. I, I want to be a better man. I, I want to be closer to you. And you begin to pray that way. The devil hears that. The devil sees that. He'll do what he can. But greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. So I'm, I'm telling you, don't don't just dip a dip a little toe in and say I'll test the waters. Um, when you step in to pray, step in to pray, because God can put a hedge of protection around you that the devil can't touch. He can protect all the fiery darts. There's nothing that the devil can do. There's a lot of things he'll want to do. So I'm just telling you, don't half-hearted into it and pull back. Don't give the devil an opportunity to to stop. Um, I, I believe it's everybody's desire. To grow in the Lord. I think it's why you're here. Appreciate your dedication. But I truly believe this group right here, if this is all we had, if it never grew, and this was it, if this group right here became dedicated prayer warriors, if this group right here made it a point to be there when we pray, I understand everybody can't be at the prayer meeting the first Monday of every month, but we had probably close to 40 there. This month, we, we've seen that number as low as six or seven. Um, we can see that number grow. But if this group right here became consistent prayer warriors, I just think we could move mountains. Like, like the message from three weeks ago, I think God would either move the mountains or give us the strength to climb, and it really doesn't matter which. He doesn't have to move the mountain if we got the power to get over it, right? But I think there's enough of us here certainly to change LaGrange, Georgia. But God's looking for something. I truly believe this. When I look at the finances, some of you have even heard me pray it because I know I prayed it some at the rock altar. I prayed it out loud some. But I, I want to see one of two things. Number one, I want to see what we're doing wrong. If, if the church isn't filling the pews and the finances aren't growing and God is doing that for a reason, I want to know what it is. I want, I want to know what we're not doing right. I, I want to know what it is that God has us at, at a stalemate there about. And I'm not talking about the spiritual. I, I, last several weeks, I'm absolutely amazed at the power of God that has shown up in the services and what he's doing in people's lives and the things that people are telling me after church and, and, and the way they're growing in the spirit. Uh, I love that. But I need to see the finances move in this church. I need to see some things different. If there's a reason God has us where we are, show us. Show us what we're doing wrong. 
But if we are doing it right, and, and maybe this is a piece of the puzzle. Maybe he wanted to see 40 men gathering. we got ladies over there gathering. Why can't the men gather? If the women can gather for a Bible study, why can't the men gather for a study on prayer? Uh, maybe it's a piece of the puzzle. Maybe that's why we've got eight visitors' cards. Maybe that's where it goes. But I do know um, that I've prayed. You, you heard me say that, that I think when you pray, you ought to use God's Word. You, you ought to quote Scripture back to God. Just like you're praying for wisdom, the Word of God says, if any man like wisdom, let him ask of God, so you pray for wisdom or God's word says, prove me now herewith. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there'll be not room enough to receive it. Well, I, I feel like the church is proving God. I'm, I'm, I'm just being as transparent as I can. I feel like the church is paying its tithe into missions. I feel like we're taking care of a good number of missionaries overseas. I feel like we're trying to do what we can in the community. I feel like the people of you, the, the people of this church, are working and pouring your heart in to, to all the different ministries and the different programs. And and if God, if that's true, then I want to see you open the windows of heaven because that's what your word says. And if you're not opening the windows of heaven, then we're doing something that's not exactly pleasing yet. And we're not going to get to the end of that until we find out what it is and fix it. So... Uh, my my prayer group just grew by about 40 because that's the things I want to see. I want I can tell you what every one of mine was I wrote down. Number one, I want to see the people of this church grow spiritually. Every member of this church, I want to see them grow spiritually. And I believe the discipleship program will help. That's coming on Sunday night and adding and growing some things. I want to see everybody in this church grow closer, closer to the Lord. And I want to see the men of this church become mighty prayer warriors. That's two of my prayer requests. The other is, God, I want to see you grow this church and change the finances of this church. I'm tired of trying to figure out which bill do we have to put off in order to pay this bill. I know that God can change it. Amen? Amen. And I'm talking to a group of men that I, I believe can change it through prayer. And it, and it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't. If, if we don't have it right, it doesn't matter to me if we've got to find it out I just want to know what it is we're not doing right. Because we're not going to be in line with the will of God until we know what it is we're doing wrong. Anybody ever prayed that in your personal life? God, I don't know what's going on, but if I'm doing something wrong, show me. Because I want to get it right. I, I want to move past this storm. I want to get to the next page of the book. I'm tired of this. So whatever it is that's wrong, show me. Sometimes it's just a stalemate. So I don't know. I, I would like for us to um I would like for us to pray. For a few minutes here before we leave tonight, we did 90 seconds. But I was amazed how fast 90 seconds went. Oh, just check if a minute passed. Yeah, don't like man, we're already out of time. Um, but you know, I've said it before: set yourself up to be successful. Um, don't if you if you don't have a daily Bible reading habit. Don't start out and say, I'm going to read a chapter a day because before you know it, you flip your Bible over and land on Psalms 119 and it'll break you. Um, set yourselves up to be successful. It, it matters. Start, start out with something, but I, I would like to, I would like to, if you don't already have a good morning prayer time, this is your challenge from this week, 
Set your clock 15 minutes early. Not in the morning. Set your clock 15 minutes early. Don't look back. Don't go back and change it. This isn't a one week. You have a 30-day prayer challenge with you and your partner to pray for those prayer requests to see God do something. But this is for you. You want to grow, set your clock 15 minutes earlier than what it's always set. Not for a day. Not for a week. A lot of people talk about diets and all different diets. You're going to lose weight. People say, if you're going to lose weight and, and, the, and the weight stops, you just got to change the way you live. You got to change the way you eat. You got to change your habits. You got to do things differently. Prayer is the same. You want things to do different? You want to be a better prayer warrior? You got to change what you're doing. You got to do more. I don't know. Maybe you two prayer partners ought to set your clock 15 minutes early and text each other in the morning to make sure you're up. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? At some point, at some point, it falls on us. We, we have to decide. I'm going to set it 15 minutes early, and I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to pray. And from now on, that's going to be a new... If you already get up 30 minutes early, add 10 minutes to yours. If you already get up an hour early, God bless you. Um, well, there's your challenge. Could make... No. Yes, sir. I'm just going to do this on time myself personally. I was raised in church. My father died, my mother. After I got, got married, got out of the Corps, going to church, I would put a little money in, a little money there, and I told myself then that, well, I'm going to start putting the minimum 10% every month in the church. And when I started that, that money is there. It's there. I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. When I started tithing, he started making sure it was there. And we all can look for an excuse for anything. I had a captain tell me one time, an excuse, I don't want to hear an excuse. I want a reason. And you can come up with any kind of excuse, but give me a reason. A reason, and you will do it. You put it in your head, that's what you're going to do. God will let you do it and he'll put the money there to tie every month. The, the, thing, the thing to understand from this is it doesn't mean God will make you a millionaire. It means God will meet your needs. That's one of the things that, that I had to learn. The scary part of me was losing an awful lot of money um, and thinking we went from being able to retire at 50 and do whatever we wanted to do to being slapped broke and wondering if you're going to have a house when this is all over. I don't. I don't know. I guess it's okay to, to share it. I, I don't. I certainly don't. I certainly don't mean it boastful, but I don't know how else but to tell you. I sat down to pay bills one day. I don't have the money to pay the bills. That's just what we were. There wasn't anything left. There wasn't anything left in savings. There was no money. Period. It was done. I mean, this has been going on for the six months. And at the time, we were supporting six children at a lighthouse children's home over in Costa Rica. And um, I sat down to pay bills. And one of the bills was to the Lighthouse Children's Home to send a check for six children. I know for a fact that those are the bills that most people just forget about first. That's why we had to keep raising support for the children's home. Because when things get tight, that's what people drop. The next thing they drop is their tithe. Well, this is something I don't have to pay, and this is something I don't have to pay, and nobody will know. And so they just don't, they, they, they don't pay it. I'm, I'm telling you, I know from... Dealing with the children's home is one of the first things that people put down, uh, which would be an offering beyond the tithe. But we had six children, 
And and I looked at that and I thought, well, I could not write that one. I thought, you got six children counting on that, and and a home that that I believe what they're doing. And so I picked up a couple of names and I, I went into the bathroom and I asked Robin. I said, which one of these two children do you want to support? She said, what do you mean? I said, like, we don't support either one of these two. Which one of these two do you want to support? And she says, um, I think him. Okay. So I went in. I filled out a card like I normally would fill out for one of you to sign up and support children. I filled it out, put it in, sent my six children, added one, sent it in with seven. Thirty days later, things haven't gotten any better. I'm sitting there again. I got bills that, that are borderline late now. I mean, I, I usually think I don't. I don't even like going into the ten day grace period. So now I got things that are in the ten day grace period. I'm trying to do. And I said I don't have the money, and I, and here's my bill again. I've got seven children, and I don't have the money. So I picked up two children, and I walked in the bathroom, and I said, "Hey, baby, which one of these two children you want to take on supporting?" She said, "Do we have the money?" take on another child? I said, nope. We don't have the money to pay for the ones we're already supporting. I said, but I do believe that this is right. We don't skip on the tithe. We ain't putting it out. And I said, this is something that I believe God put on my heart to help take care of the lighthouse and these children. And if I go broke doing what God told me to do, he can explain it when I get to heaven. I said, which one do you want to support? And she said, I guess this one. I said, I wanted that one. We'll take both of them. <laughs> so we added two children. Went that weekend up on a Sunday morning and preached in North Carolina. Left from there, drove into what ain't supposed to be snowing, drove in near about a blizzard, couldn't hardly see, got into Virginia, grounds whited out five, six inches of snow. The world wouldn't have moved around here. Pastor lived next door, comes out of the house and says, what do you think, brother? You want, you want to have church? I said, not me, preacher. I'm in your world. I'm a long way from home. I'm standing in a motel either way. He said, oh, ain't nothing but a little snow for us. He said, we just have church. And there couldn't have been maybe 40 people showed up. That was a big church I preached in that morning. That little church that night, if I remember, they gave a little more money. They at least gave as much money as the big church. And here's the deal. I told both churches the same thing. I own a company. I have money. I don't need your money. I'm not here for you to take up a love offering for me. I need you to support children. That's all I want to do is support. Both churches took up a love offering. An older gentleman come up to me afterwards and he shook my hand tell me how much he enjoyed the message and I tell his money in his hand and I said, sir, I appreciate it. But I really didn't come here for money. He said, son, number one, you're not going to steal my blessing. And number two, he said, you believe what you're saying. And people will buy into it because you believe it. But you're going to have to swallow your pride and let God take care of you. The money that I took up at those two churches, I went home and paid off every bill on my desk. None left, none missing. Everything on my desk. I learned your tithe doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. If you're tithing to be a millionaire, you're tithing for the wrong reason. You tithe because the Word of God says 10% is mine. You, you give offerings because you believe that the Lord will do that because you believe it's right. But none of it is to get rich. It is that God will meet 
your need. You may not know when, you may not know where, you may close it down to the wire, but the whole thing, none of this is about trying to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. So tithing, well, he says, will a man rob God? It's a pretty simple explanation, and I, I don't know why I'm not, I didn't really mean to even have anything to do with money tonight or tithing or anything else that seems to have brought itself to the table. I, can I say something? Of course, I don't even know why I'm in this class. Just a simple fact. I don't like to speak. I'm a salesman, and I hate to speak in front of people. But I'm going to say this. When I used to go to a Methodist church, I used to think in my mind, I put my 20, 30 in, and I used to think in my mind, yeah, when they preach on tithing, and I said, yeah, they're just asking for a little money in church. They just want more money. 23 years ago, I watched Charles Stanley on television when I was living in Virginia. He preached a message on tithing. When he got done, my wife looked at me and I had just lost my job and took a job less pay. And she looked at me, she goes, can we afford to tithe? I said, after listening to that message, I don't know how we can afford not to tithe. That was 23 years ago. And I'll grant you, I haven't stopped since. If you look him up, he's out of Atlanta, good preacher. I listened to him, and I tell you what, he drew me in. You can't outgive God. I'll, I'll grant you that. You can't outgive God. God's going to bless you. And it's not, and as Pastor said, it's not about being rich. On the front of my truck, it says, To God be the glory. And that's what it is. And it's just to me, if you want to look at somebody, go to Charles Stanley. And just get him to look at the message on tithing. Probably everybody in here listens to Charles Stanley. <laughs> I do. Yeah. If you don't look him up, you, you want the incredible man of God, used well by God. I um. I think I think what we'll do. If we want to all corporately pray together, just have about three pray for us. You know what? God keeps all your prayers in a vial. If three people pray, that ain't but three went up. Let's just all pray together. Let's just take a few minutes in there before we go tonight. We've not done that yet. Let's just take just a few minutes and, and all pray. And, uh, and we'll, we'll close out and go to the house. Out loud. God, thank you so much, God, for being so incredible. Lord, I thank you for this group of men, God. Lord, I thank you for seeking and seeking the Holy Spirit. I see men eager to serve you, God. I see men who are so interested in your word, God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.
That was good. That was good, homie. You can do that. You can do that at the church,
Amen. Well, if any gross is out there, go grab me one. Stick it in your belly, stick it in your pocket. Y'all stuck crawfish in your pocket, you can stick chicken in your pocket. <laughs> try to take the crawfish home in his pocket, That may not cut off. It was blank, I, I, I guess it's still going. I don't know if we'll find out. I had never yet. Yeah, it's still going.